Come on, let's thank God for his goodness. Come on, let's thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his love. Amen. I thank God for loving me. Amen. Let's get our Bible. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. And we're going to be looking at chapter number 3, verse 1 through 6. This is our reading from our series. In our series, we are talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Looks like we're going to be here a while. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. Verse 1 through verse 6. This is the series, the title of the series, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Only the Spirit can give life. Got to always understand that. Jesus came that we might have life. Only the Holy Spirit can give you life. Amen. When you get there, say amen. amen. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to be reading on your screen. We are reading on the King James Version right now. Verse 1 through verse 6. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we as some of the epistles or commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistles, written in our heart, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of a living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to God with, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Now we're going to go to Ephesians, and we're going to read from Ephesians verse 29, 30, and 31. From the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, we're going to start reading verse 29, 30, and 31. Three verses. Thank you very much. Ephesians 4, 29, on the scripture says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it might minister grace to the hearer. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with all malice. And, let, and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, had forgiven us. And if we don't do that, that's how you grieve the Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you now for your Holy Spirit. We thank you now for your grace, your mercy, your love. Thank you, Lord, for your divine provisions. Thank you, Lord, for your divine blessings and all that you have done for us. Thank you for your divine grace. Thank you for your love. Now we ask that your Holy Spirit would teach us, lead us, and guide us, and help us understand the new covenant. We ask this in the precious blood and precious name of our Lord Jesus, we pray in all degrees that pass it. Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. I'm here to minister to you the gospel of Christ or the gospel of grace. Now, I'm going to be going through the book of Ephesians. And if we are doing that, it's because we are going to show you the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, 
I'm showing you Ephesians uh, chapter 1, and I'm gonna, hopefully we'll get to chapter 2 soon, but we're showing you the book of Ephesians chapter 1, and then that's going to take us to Ephesians chapter 2. That's going to take us to Ephesians chapter 3 and chapter 4 and chapter 5 until we finish the book of Ephesians. Now, I did not know that this was my assignment on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But anyway, we thank God for his grace. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, what I like to do, what I like you to do is to take good notes. I may have to borrow your notes. Amen? In Ephesians, you need to get the tape this morning. As a matter of fact, uh, we are on, I think, volume number six, part four. And each volume is six tapes. So I'll let you know where you are by now, huh? 36, 40 tapes, each an hour long. All right, but I, but I know you can do it. Invest in the word. Amen. Amen. So this tape, it's on Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. It says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, I gave you the teachings on the word grieve, and I'm going to bring them back to the screen because you got to know what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit. And we have to understand while we're working together in the church, you have to understand this because if you don't do that, you can easily grieve the Holy Spirit. I like to say it like this. It's no different than a marriage, a marriage, husband and wife, family, you know, brothers, sisters. I mean, it can happen anywhere with anybody, in the church especially. All right, now let's look at that verse again and tell you all those definitions for the word grieve. It says to bring sorrow to. Now we're talking about to the Holy Spirit. You can bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. You can also offend the Holy Spirit. You can also displease the Holy Spirit. You can cause mourning to the Holy Spirit. You can inflict pain on the Holy Spirit. You can oppress, oppress the Holy Spirit. You can burden the Holy Spirit. You can tempt the Holy Spirit. And it's to make sad. You can make the Holy Spirit sad by the way you live your life. And so when I began to see this and God gave me this assignment, I had to hurry up and get here to tell you about it. Amen? Amen. Because that's what we don't want to do to the Holy Spirit. We can do that to our parents. We can do that to our parents, our people who have, uh, like I said, somebody who adopted us, raised us, something like that. And we, you know, we can walk in disobedience to them. It grieves their spirit. Amen. Amen. So we know how that can happen with the Holy Spirit. But I want to do, I want to just catch you up. Now I'm going to go to Ephesians and I want to show you how this book is divided. First of all, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters, is everything God has done for us. Now I hope you, you set aside that. The first three chapters of the book of Ephesians is what God has done for us. The next three chapters of the book of Ephesians, only six chapters, the next three chapters is how you're supposed to live your life based on what God has done for you. See, you live your life based on what God has done for you. Once you realize what God has done for you, then you ought to obey the Holy Spirit because you get to Ephesians 4.1. Watch what it says when you first get to Ephesians 4.1. 
Ephesians chapter 1, 2, 3, tell you everything God gave you. When you get to chapter 4, verse 1, he's going to get into your walk. I therefore, the prison of our Lord Jesus Christ, beseech you that you walk worthy. <laughs> right off the bat, he's going into your walk. Walk worthy of the vocation. That word vocation is the word calling. We got to teach it in the storehouse that we just finished. Make your calling and election sure. You got to know God called you. You got to know what he called you for. Number one, he called you to be sons. Then he called you to be not only son, but for relationship. That's the calling. So I therefore, the prison of our Lord Jesus Christ, beseech you, what worthy of the calling? Because after you leave the word called, you're going to get to the word chosen. And all of this is in Christ. What worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called? Okay? Now, uh, this morning, we, we gave you, go back to Ephesians 1, because we want to stay there until we, we want to finish that. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to... Uh, we're going to start with verse number one. We gave, uh, verse three, I'm sorry, verse three, because we gave you thing this morning what God had done. So let's look at Ephesians chapter one, verse three. Now, I want you to take these apart and hope you can develop something that we can show the people after a while what have you done. Number one, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. So we only take in the word God has blessed us. And we hope that you understand he has blessed us. The Bible says he blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly place in Christ. But you need to really put down, God has blessed us. Now, this is when, when people will walk worthy of the vocation with their call. Walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit. When you realize that he has blessed you, whether you accept it, walk it in it, receive it, that's not God's fault. He has already done this. Amen. All right? Now, in, in Ephesians chapter number 1, verse 4, Thank you very much. That's what I was looking for. Number one, God has blessed us. Ephesians 1, 1 through 3. See, I'm not going to be able to go through all of this again. Okay, you just got to get the tape. Number two, God has chosen us. That's Ephesians 1 and 4. Now, remember God chosen us in Christ. So remember, first he called you. But until you answer the call and believe on his gospel, which I'm going to show you down in verse 13 and 14, how you get in Christ, until that happens, then the chosen part has not taken place. The chosen part takes place when you're in Christ because he chosen you in Christ. First, he called you to himself, called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Once you come in, now you, you, you can go to verse 4, now he has chosen you. But he's chosen you in Christ, all right? Then you'll see the next person, he called us, Romans, Romans uh, 8, 28, because you've been chosen, you've been already called, see? Let's go to the next verse. And then we know in Romans 8, 28, now all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. So when you look at your life, you say, man, everything, all things not working together for my good. Well, maybe you have not really went through the process of being called and chosen. Because I can go back and look at the Old Testament in Israel and know that God, what God did for them because he, called, because he chose them. So next we talk about God has saved us. We've shown you a lot of things. 2 Timothy 1, 8 and 9, he's already saved us. He's already called you. Then in Ephesians 1 and 5, we saw God has predestined us. Already predestined us to be his son. So all the rebellion you're doing is, is to keep you from being God's son. So the war that you're having between you and God don't really have to be. He called you to be his son. 
why don't you submit yourself and be his son and live like his son? You know, see, we want to do the same thing in our physical life that we want to do with God. It don't work that way with God. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. And that's not good for you. All right? Now, God saved us, God predestined us, and also God made us accepted. Already made us accepted. Now, these you got to get to because when I go teaching, you got to go back to this chart. That's why I ask everybody to jot these things down. God has already accepted you because you're in Christ. Now, then I'm reading, I'm showing you how God had accepted you. Then I showed you Colossians 1.14. He has already delivered you. See, the key is, until you want the word and want to live right, you can't see the Holy Ghost carry out this stuff in your life. Amen. He's already delivered you. He's already in the word. So whatever you're going through in your life, God has already delivered you. He delivered you out of darkness into his present truth, into his life. Then we showed you in, 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 in uh, Romans 3, 24, I'm going to go through this one again because I want to show you this so when I get to where I'm going, you're going to need these scriptures. Romans chapter 3, verse 24, show you God has justified us. Now let's go and show you how God has justified us because I'm going to give you some other uh, doctrines, other doctrines, so you can understand if God has justified you, do you know how he did it? I just showed you he made you accept it in the beloved, in Christ. He made you accept it. Everything he made this, he made you a new creation in Christ. I'm waiting on the verse here so we can go to work. Romans 3.24 is what I'm asked for. In the gospel, in the book of Romans, chapter 3 and verse 24, told you how you was justified. Being justified. Now, how many in this church know what being justified means? Amen. Made right with God. It's not hard, right? Amen. Being made right with God freely by his grace. How was you made right with God? Freely, freely by his grace. So if it's by his grace, that's bring us back to the cross. Amen. Said the cross, cross that Jesus died, buried, and raised again from the dead. Amen. Come on, you have to start saying it. Said his grace is his death being resurrection on the cross. All right, that's what it means by his grace. All right, his truth is his doctrine about his grace. All right. Now, Romans 3, 24, being justified freely by his grace, talking about his death being resurrection, through the redemption means through the blood. That word redemption means forgiveness. We have forgiveness through the blood of Christ. Now, when you hear this, then you'll hear other religions saying, when you take communion, you're forgiven. Or when you baptize in water, you're forgiven. It just told you how you're forgiven. See, the key is, you are, you, salvation is so, so simple until you just got to go by the Bible. Everybody don't go by the Bible in their churches. They go by denomination or they go by what the religion teaches them or what they handed down to them. Now let's read that one verse again. Romans 3, 24, being justified freely by his grace. Now what justified means put right with God. You know, you, you're right with God, you're okay. You're right with God, you're okay. All right? But, but it happened through his grace, through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, or through his blood. All right? That's how you was made right with God. All right, now, I'm saying that over and over and over, 
because the test is going to come in this teaching. And I don't want you looking around at somebody and say, what, what, are, these, what are these? What? It's not, that's not going to get it. You got to live this. This has got to be a lifestyle. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, with, with, other, with, with any further ado, we're going to go to the next one. Now, I went through, he accepted us. In accepting us, I said this morning, there were some things that I heard people say. Matter of fact, I just at a funeral yesterday, heard, did a funeral yesterday, matter of fact, uh, and, and somebody quoted this verse. Uh, I was at a funeral uh, just a few days ago. This verse was quoted. It was quoted out of uh, Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. Let's go there, shall we? And you tell me, have you heard this verse before? And you got to understand, there are people using verses of Scripture, but it had nothing to do with you. I want to say again and again to this church, there's an Old Testament church closed out called the Church of God. So you need to have that in your Bible. You need to know that. Now, both makes one. But God started out with the church of God. Dominant Jews. Paul persecuted the church of God. And then in the New Testament, there is the body of Christ. That's why you have so many different denominations. Over here, they say we are the church of God. And some say we are the church of God in Christ. And over here, people will say, well, we are the church of Christ. So you have to be able to understand that everybody is saying who they are based on what they believe. All right? But I'm showing you in the Word of God, the church of God was the Old Testament church based upon Peter, James, and John was, and even Paul was the pastor of those churches. Paul preached to the church of God. If you read uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, the first, first verse, they letters were to the church of God. Let's just do that. We got time. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, uh, let's, let's do Revelation 14, 13 while it's in the system. In Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, you will hear this kind of talking at a funeral, especially before they do the committal. You know, they do, they, they do this kind of stuff, this preacher talk, I call it, preacher talk. And I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labor and their works do follow them. How many heard that later? If you go to a funeral, pretty much you're going to hear it. But that verse is not talking to you, it was talking to the church of God. Church of God was a church that was under Peter, James, and John ministry. It's the church that Paul persecuted. So if you go to looking at persecution, you can go anywhere. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Let's start there. We can go through Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Paul persecuted the church of God. All through his ministry, he talked about he persecuted the church of God. Well, that was the believers before you, who you came to be a part of in Christ. You can only be a part of that church in Christ. But you shall receive with Acts 8 1, not 1 8. Acts 8 1. I'm sorry if I said it backwards. Acts chapter 8, verse 1 showed you 
Paul persecuted the church. Well, what church Paul persecuted? And Saul was consenting unto his death. What death? Stephen, a part of the church of God. At that time, there was a great persecution against the church. What church? The church of God, which was at Jerusalem. You was not at Jerusalem. Hello. You was at Antioch. All right. With very, that persecution was against the church at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad, the Bible said, throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And there were great persecution. Next verse said, throughout the regions, and devout men carried Stephen's to his burial. That, that time is when Paul was convicted by the Holy Spirit. Devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. But what happened next verse? And for Saul, he made havoc of the church. Well, what church? The church of God. Entering into every house and hauling men and women, committed them to prison. Great persecution. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Now, when we see that, we have to understand the church. So let's show you a few places the church of God. Let's go start off right there, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. See, those books tell you. Then you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. All those verses tell you. Galatians chapter 1 is another one. All these places tell you, Paul said, I persecute the church. I'm waiting on 1 Corinthians 1 and 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and so for this our brother. In verse number 2, unto the church of God which is that Corinth, unto the church of God, unto the church of God. So if you look at these letters, they was written to the church of God. Second Corinthians chapter 1, if you look at all these different chapters in the Bible. Let's look at 1 Corinthians, why are chapter 15? My wife, you will read 1 through 4, so let's start with verse 5. 1 Corinthians 15, 5. You will see the church of God. Paul persecuted the church of God. Now at the same time, he had to turn around and now God used him to give us the body of Christ. And that he was seen of Cephas, talking about Jesus after he rose from the dead, then of the twelve. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you, I don't want one, two, three, four, I want verse six. After that, he was seen above 500 brothers at once, of whom the greater part remained to this present, but some are falling asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. Last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. And verse 9 told you why. I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. So that's the church he persecuted. That's enough of that. We just want to show you uh, the difference. So we have to understand that. So that's why uh, when you talk about rest from the labor, those were the people. Look at Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, this was the church that when it came into being, Jesus Christ called them, but they would not come. And watch what he called them for. Revelation 11, I'm sorry, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 is what I'm waiting for. The Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28. I'm going to have to go. Yeah, I know, but I just got a flow here. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest to your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, that was what he 
did for them. He called them, but they wouldn't come. So that's why in the, in the book of Hebrews, we started this morning, we didn't finish. We're going to just catch up. That's what we're doing. Go to Hebrews chapter number three. Because all of this is going to be used. We have to understand, I'm going to show you three doctrines this morning. I'm going to show you yours. And I'm going to show you two more that's not yours. And they have been taught in pretty much every church. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 14 said, we are made partaker. This is how the Hebrews or the church of God, another word for them, how they were saved. They were made partakers of Christ. If they hold the beginning of their confidence, the beginning of their faith, steadfast to the end. You might remember Jesus Christ said, he that endures to the end shall be saved. All right. And in verse number 15, it says, while it said today, if you would hear his voice, heart not your heart, as in the provocation. Now he's talking about in the Old Testament. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But, what, but whom was he aggrieved? We're dealing with the grieving the Holy Spirit. Who was he grieved? Forty years they grieved him. Who was he grieved? Forty years. Was it not with them that had sinned? whose carcasses fell in the wilderness. So all those guys that grieved him died in the wilderness. To whom swear he that they shall not enter into his rest. The Bible said, but them that believe not. So all those people did not believe, did not enter into his rest. His rest is his grace. The same word rest is what? Grace. Is grace. All right. Now it says, so we that, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So you have to see, I'm going to start with chapter 4 in just a moment. Hold, hold your horses. So over on this side, you have to see what happened. You got Moses, that you'll see on this side, physically see him, taking the children of Israel out of Egypt. The exact same thing that Moses is doing when Jesus come here, in the New Testament, he's going to begin the same thing. Let me see how well you know your Bible. If I go back over here, Moses was born. They tried to kill Moses. Moses was their deliverer, Israel deliverer. When Jesus get here, he came to deliver them from their sin. That was his purpose, Matthew 121. Now, over here, what Moses went through, Jesus is going to go through. Moses brought them out of Egypt. Jesus brought them out of sin. Same exact. But once they ate, once they ate of the lamb, and, 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 and it's on the screen, she shall bring forth her son, shall call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sin. Just like Moses saved them from Egypt, he's going to save them. But you must understand, once they came out of Egypt, they didn't just walk into the promised land. There were 40 years between them and their promised land. So that's why if you, if you we Googled it this morning, uh, and you can say, when was Jerusalem destroyed? Well, it's going to give you all the way back to 587 because all those places, all those kings, that people who destroyed Jerusalem, the last one destroyed by the Roman uh, conqueror, Roman's leader, uh, Caesar, the Roman leader, A.D. 70. But you have to understand, why was it A.D. 70? Because Jesus Christ died A.D. 30. 
And he told them as a prophet, this generation shall not pass away until all these things be fulfilled. So it was the same as Moses come out of Egypt. They were to get into the promised land 11 days. That's how long it was supposed to take them to get It took them 40 years. Now that 40 years, they had to go through something. Now this same people, the same people, the children of the same people Moses dealt with, their children, 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 down here will go through the same thing. And they were, they were headed to grace, to rest from their labor. They would rest from their labor. And their works would follow them. Your works don't follow you. I don't know why you ever want your work to follow you. But you ought to put your hand together right now and thank the Lord that your works will never follow you. All the stuff we've done wrong, we don't want that to follow us. Amen. And then we got this other thing where people are saying, well done. Even got a song out now, well done. And I don't want you to get hung up on this stuff. That's, that's religion, tradition of men. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Thou has been faithful over a few things. Come on up and I'll make you ruler over many things. Sound real good, but ain't no more religion. Preacher talk. That's what I call the preacher talk. Ain't no more religion. Because first of all, you're not a servant. See, if you know who you are, why am I teaching you Ephesians chapter 1? Because you're not a servant. Go to Galatians chapter 4. It said, in such, it grieved the Holy Spirit for his son to say he's a slave. You are not a slave. The word, the word in Hebrew, servant, is slave. Now I say that the heir, that time was Jesus Christ, as long as he's a child, he differed nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. You're the son of the living God. If you don't know who you are, you're made into a slave. And that's what religion make you. What verse number two says, but it's under tutors and governors under the time appointed of the father. Verse three says, even so we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the law. We were in bondage until the elements of the world, the law. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. What did he come to do to redeem them that were under the law that they might receive the adoption of sons? God bought them from the law so he can make sons out of them, not slaves. You are not a slave. You are a son. See, that's how you, that's how you witness to your children. When you see them doing things like that, you have to be able to say to them, you're not a slave, you're a son. You don't have to live like that. You don't have to do that. You don't have to be in bondage to that. You are a son of the living God. So you got to take your place. In, you got to take your part. You got to take your place in Christ. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Now, we, we went over some things, and that last one, uh, he has accepted us. But he accepted us in Christ. Remember, only in Christ. All right. He justified us in Christ. Now, I don't want to get into some things that take me. I want to keep going here. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 7. Let's go back to Ephesians 1, 7. I'm sorry, we didn't finish uh, uh, Hebrew 4, 1. I'm sorry, you're right. Hebrew 4, 1 said, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us. Now, Paul is talking to the Hebrews. 
Remember, he, it's not the message to the body of Christ. He's speaking to the Hebrews, who the church of God, children of Israel. Let us therefore fear, he says, let a promise be left for us of entering to his rest, just like it was to, to their fathers in Egypt. And if you should seem to come short of it, he says. Verse number two, for unto us was the gospel preached. Unto us was the gospel preached. Now you got to understand if the gospel was preached to them, what gospel was preached to them? It was not the gospel of Christ. Unto them was the gospel preached to them. We'll look at 2 Timothy 3.15 in a moment. Under, under, under us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. So what did God preach to them? He preached to them the word of faith. Under them was the gospel preached to them, but the, but the gospel preached to them did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. So I know what he preached to them. He preached them the word of faith, which is in Deuteronomy, I think, chapter 30 or Numbers 30, when they say with the Bible. You go to Romans 10, 9 and 10, and you, you run that reference, it'll take you to Deuteronomy 30 or Numbers 30, and that'll be what I needed. So we which have believed do enter into his rest. As he said, as I sworn, remember the verse before told you that what verse was preached to them. I want to make sure you see this so you don't argue in your spirit a little later. Verse 2 said, for unto us, Paul said, unto us, Jews, was the gospel preached. As well as unto them, talking about their fathers. Well, you know the gospel of Christ wasn't preached to them. Write down Romans 16, 25, and I'll show you why. But the word preached to them did not profit them. Well, what did God preach to them? Did anybody find the verse, first of all? I told you we wanted to do the Roman word, sir. Do the Roman chapter 30, 11 through 40. That's my brother there. I love that brother like my own brother. Do the run to me, chapter 30, chapter 11 through 40. All right, here we go. Now watch what this is. It's the word of faith. How do I know that? Because he's going to quote it in Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10. That same gospel was preached to them, but the word did not profit, not mixed with faith in them that heard it. They didn't believe it. For this commandment, which I command you this day, is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. Commandment? Commandment? It is not in heaven that we should say who shall go up to heaven and to bring it unto us that we might hear it and do it. Hear it and do it. We have to hear it and do it. That's not your gospel. But the word is very nigh thee in thy mouth and in thy heart. That's the same thing, Romans 10, 9 and 10. I'm going to read it in a minute. I'm going to read Romans 10, 8, 9, 10. After I leave you. But the word is very nigh to thee in thy mouth and in thy heart. The word is where? In thy mouth. I need you to pay attention now. I need you to pay attention. Don't get yourself away. I'm getting ready to show you something. Don't let the enemy mess with your head. I'm going to do a series on saving of the mind or saving of the soul. And I'm going to show you why people ends up in nursing home don't know who they are because they don't, didn't get their soul saved. The word is to save your mind. Amen. I'm trying to help you. 
That's why Peter told the church, gird up the loins of your mind. You got to understand that. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which are reading for service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you don't do this, you will be old in a nursing home. Don't nobody know who you are, not even you. I was watching a movie, and I had seen this. I just turned it on, and it was on this station. And I sit there and watch it. I said, Sister Crump going to like this. And we sat down and watched it. But I had to find out what it was. It was the notebook. And you all seen the notebook? And that, this, you see what happened to this woman when she got old. She didn't even know who her children was. They brought all her children to her. They said, whoa, some pretty children. They didn't even know them, her children. Her grandchildren. And so you got to understand that that's why I'm going to be able to teach you the word. You got to put the word on your mind. You're about to get it young. Amen. You don't want to wait till you're old. See, people got all this remedy out there trying to tell you how to stay young, but you stay young when you put the word on your mind. Amen. I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how old you get. If you lose your mind, you are useless. And that's what this word, only the word will renew your mind. And we're taking it for granted. And you wonder why I cry, why I fuss? I don't want to see you going through a process where you didn't have to do it. You could have got the word. You got to get the word. You can't be playing with this. This is your life. I read you remember the saying, a mind is a terrible thing to wait. But nobody knew why. Nobody knew what, what God gave us to save the mind. He gave you the word. That's all you got. The spirit gives life. And that's what Jesus came to give you life. He came to save the soul. The man was lost through Adam. Christ came to give it back to you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And the reason his mind was saved, because his soul was saved, and your soul is made up of different compartments. And you got to understand, I gave you that already, a lot of it. I'm going to move on. I don't want to go there, but you got it coming to a theater near you. All right. Now watch this. Romans 16, 25 said, Not in him that's a power to establish you. Establish. The word's supposed to establish. Establish what? Establish your mind. Don't you think that's doing all of this wondering and wavering? It's your mind. And the word of God but it's, but it's not everything you're teaching in the Word. There's a doctrine that we teach here called the Word of Truth. Write that down. Not, a, not to him that's a power to establish you according to my gospel, Paul says. My gospel. Well, there are other things that was te- taught to other people was not called his gospel. Amen. The preaching of Jesus Christ, he said, but it's according to the revelation of the mystery. The revelation of the mystery. This revelation was kept secret. 
since the world began. This revelation was kept secret since the world began. So we're not talking about prophecy here. We're talking about revelation. Prophecy is what God said in the Old Testament all the way you get to Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is a son's ministry is what Jesus did. So if you come back here again, Genesis 1 and 1 is what God said. When you get over here to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's what the Son of God did. And then you get into Romans, he's going to take you into what the Holy Ghost reveals. And he's only going to turn around and show you what the Son did and what the Father said. That's his responsibility in the New Covenant. There's nothing else in the Bible but what's in the Bible. He's not trying to show you all this other spooky stuff. He wants to show you the Bible. All right. Now, I gave you Deuteronomy 30, verse 11 through 14. Is that right? All right. Everybody agree with that? I'm reading the same thing in Romans 10, 8, 9, 10. What says it? What says it? What says it mean? What did the scripture say? What says it mean? What do Deuteronomy 30 and 11 say? What did it say? It's going to say the same thing. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, in thy heart, that is the word of faith. Now it changes to the word of faith which we preach. Now let's go back to Deuteronomy 30 and 11. I know it's going to take some time, but I have to do this. What did it say? Let's go back and see what did it say. It didn't say word of faith, but if you get into the new covenant, Paul's going to tell you this is what it was. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 11. You got to flow with me. He called it this commandment, which I command you this day. It's not hidden from you, neither is it far off. But what did it say? It's not in heaven that you should say, who shall go up to heaven and bring it to us? That we may hear it and do it. That we might hear it and do it. We have to hear it and do it. But what did it say? Neither there beyond the sea that thou shouldst say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it up to us, that we may hear it and do it. But what did it say? It said the word is very nigh. That's what I'm reading to you in Romans 10 and 8. The, road, the word is very nigh to you in your mouth, in your heart, that you may do it. That you may do it. The message of faith is that you may do it. You say it, you believe it, and you bring it to pass. That's why Jesus said, but what says in Romans 10 and 8? The word is not thee even in your mouth and in your heart, just like I just showed you in Deuteronomy 13 and 11. But here he called it the word of faith, which we preach. That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. He didn't tell you were saved. Read it, look at it again. Look at it again. He didn't tell you were saved. But when I go to Ephesians 2 and verse 8, it goes to say, by grace you are saved. So either you want to are saved or you want to be saved. But he's not talking about soul saved there. He's talking about saved from any dangers. Remember, the wrath of God is coming upon this people. That was Matthew 3, 7, of course. He said, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And then he told you, with the heart, man believe in the righteous. Otherwise, when the, put that same verse 10 in the good news in either one of them, NLT or good news. 
Verse 10. King James said you believe on the righteousness. With the mouth confession is made in the salvation. Let's, let's put that on the NLT. For this by our faith, it's by our faith that we are put right with God. Well, if you're put right with God by your faith, then what you going to do with Romans 3, 24? You're justified by his grace. Now, if you're justified by grace, you're justified by your faith. See, this is a different message. For it's by our faith that we are put right with God. It is by our confession that we are saved. So what you going to do with Ephesians 2 that told you by grace you're saved? How many can see you got a different message? See, I lost half of the church. And all you got to do is, is, is witness to what you've seen. What happens is when we see truth, we don't want to believe it. That's why you need faith. I'm trying to see who in the church saved. You can't believe if you're not saved. Do you understand? When I show you the word and you're not saved, your spirit is going to stumble against it because the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to another. You can't believe the truth when it's shown to you if you don't have the Holy Spirit. And I just showed you, woman, show it to you again. Watch what it says. It's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It's by open declaring your faith that you are saved. Now, let's go and show you in Romans 3, 24 right now. I'm going to show you, see, the problem with people that go to church every day, they don't even know they're saved or not. They don't even know what they're believing in. So that means if that man preached, and I don't see nothing wrong with it. If that man preached, I don't see nothing wrong with it. Was well, something wrong with something? <laughs> Somebody wrong. Everybody ain't right. Romans 3, 24 said, being justified freely by his grace. Can't you see the difference in being made right because of what you said and being right because of what God did on the cross? Amen. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption, through the precious blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. Now either he made us right with God or you made right with God through your confession. See, that's the word of faith doctrine. While I'm on that, I might as well just say a little bit, huh? That all right? Amen. All right. Now, you want to write down three doctrines. One, I started already on the word of faith, and I'm showing you how you say it. But let me show you how you get the Holy Spirit in a word of faith church. From the Gospel of St. Luke. We're going to look at chapter 11, verse 13. I'm not telling nobody what I think. I'm telling somebody what I went through. And I'm telling you this because I had to learn the truth. When I said I had been deceived, I'm not blaming people. I just believed man and didn't know how to believe God. But once God showed me that he had given me the Holy Spirit, and I was taking man for his word, why don't I ask the Holy Spirit? And I began to ask the Holy Spirit from that day on. Amen. And I began to go back and look at things I used to believe, and I'm going like, he's wrong. His doctrine is wrong. It's nothing, nothing against a person. 
It's just that doctrine was wrong. If I had to believe that way, I would believe my soul would have been lost. Now watch what it says. This is when you go to a, a word of faith church, this is what they're going to tell you, how you receive the Holy Spirit. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Now, if you've been in the Word of Faith Church and you have heard that before, raise your hand. Camera's on me, not on you. Not y'all never heard that? You, didn't, you never had to ask for the Holy Spirit? If you went to a church, you know what I'm talking about. If you went to a church, especially, I'm not trying to put down no Word of Faith Church. There are many of them. I remember listening to uh, Kenneth Hagin. I've been to a lot of his meetings, bought a lot of his tapes. I taught that here, how to receive the Holy Spirit. All I'm saying is, how to receive the Holy Spirit was to them that acts. Now, let's go to Ephesians 1.13, and let's show you what the word of truth says. See, the key is, most people do not know what doctrine is being taught in the church, and they're going to a church every Sunday. Don't even know what they believe. See, if you're saved, you got to know how you're saved. You got to know how to get somebody else saved. In this ministry, we teach you the word of truth, Amen. not the word of faith. And then I'm going to get to another one called the word of life. All three different teachings. And people are going to church every Sunday think they're right with God. Don't even know what they believe in. I think somebody who knows the difference should teach it. Amen. That's just me. I have to give an account to God if he showed me and then I don't tell the people. Because right, if I was in it and you showed me this, I'm, I'd be like, oh, I had never seen that. Whatever you're on, I need it. Okay. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. This is how you receive. This is the word of truth here. In whom also you trusted after you heard the word of truth. What did you hear? I need your cooperation. What did you hear? You heard the word of truth. Now, I want to ask you a question. What if I put word of faith there or word of life there? Would that mean the same thing? No. Why? Because he said, in whom you trusted after you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. I don't think the Holy Spirit missed it. I think he's trying to really let us know, listen, this is the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after you believed the gospel of your salvation, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, he says you were sealed, put that up there again, you were sealed with, not by, with. The Holy Spirit comes in and seals your soul. I didn't say feel, I said seal. To seal something is like we showed you with the bottles that we canned and we put the bottle, everybody remember how to get the bottle to seal? We have a rubber band on the inside of the jar and the top fluctuates because it's gonna, it's gonna be a pressure. This, every, seal has to do with pressure. So we put, the, put, the, put them in the, in the water, we boil the water. We got about 10 or 15 pots in here with some good things. What, how, what you want in yours? I got some apple preserve. What you want? Got peaches, pears, 
Y'all even know what you can preserve. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But anyway, all kinds of stuff that you can preserve. You can do all kinds of stuff. I, I, like, I like green vegetables. You know, I like fruit. But you can preserve all this stuff, you know. I like okra. Some of y'all don't know nothing about okra, but it's, it's, you, you've got to be a country boy to mess with it. You've got to be a country. You can fry it or you can, whatever, but anyway. But anyway, you put it in a thing and you put the water and you, you boil the water and you leave the top, you, you, you put the top on, but you leave a little slack because the, the pressure, the heat is going to swoop, is going to suck that top right down. When you get through, you can open up and close real quick. Well, it's going to cool down, you know, and it's going to be there and it's sealed. It stay there for months, years. Amen? So God seal you with the Holy Spirit. Because he sealed you, that's why you have the book of Revelation, no man was able to open the seal. Because the seal, your seal, is the Holy Spirit. This is good to me. may not be good to nobody else. Now, I ended my message last week showing you that Israel was sealed different than you. But let's, we'll show you that in a moment, but let's finish this first. Now, you hear the word of truth, you believe the word of truth, you trust the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And when you do that, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. God's spirit seals your soul. Amen? All right. That means once the flesh die, now God takes your soul and he puts it in another body. And that's what's happening to you in Christ. Amen. That body you in in there is Christ. But you can't see it like a banana. Once you die to peel the banana off and now your soul is in Christ. Christ becomes your new body. Amen. All right. Because you are the body of Christ. There you go, girl. All right. Now, let's show you. Uh, no, I don't want chapter 2 right now. I just want what I got. I, I showed you in Luke, they asked for the Holy Spirit, right? Then I asked you for something else. I showed you they had to ask for the Holy Spirit. Then I went back to Ephesians 1, and I showed you how did you get the Holy Spirit. Let's go back there again. You just showed me. Go back up there and show it again. You show believe, receive, hear. See, he showed you how to get the Holy Spirit. You saw nobody lay hands on nobody in that verse. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. You just showed it to me. You showed me all the things you had put together. In whom also you trusted, you had me a thing. So you trusted. You trust, there you go. You heard the word of truth. You believe the word of truth. You trust the word of truth. The gospel of salvation. Do you see what you did? Now, once you did that, what did the Holy Spirit do? What did the Father do? Remember, it's the Father who gave you the Holy Spirit. That's verse 14. Ephesians 1, 14. It says, which is the honest, the Holy Ghost is the honest of our inheritance unto the personal possession, the redemption of the personal possession to the praise of his glory. So once you, once you believe, you were sealed. Go to verse 13 again. I want to make sure they see because we're going to go on a journey. Once you did that, you were sealed. You see it? That's what I'm talking about. Now you, you get all the way up here, you get one place there. Where y'all go? Okay, after that, you were, after you believe, you are what? Sealed. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. All right, because I'm going to show you in the Word of Faith Church how you got the Holy Spirit. I showed you that in Luke 11:13. 13. 
And you go to a, a meeting, I'm telling you right now, you can make cut on uh, Kenneth Hagin's son or something like that. That's what he teaches. I'm not trying to put him down. I'm telling you, I, God delivered me from that message. Amen. Now, you can, you, can, you can think anything you want to think, but I'm called to do this. You may not be called to do this. I'm called to do it. Amen. So I have responsibility to the Holy Spirit because he's showing me stuff that I cannot keep secret. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Right. And you must understand why they, why they, what they did to Paul is because he had the revelation of the mystery. You can't love your life if you're going to have his. And you got to understand that everybody ain't going to like you once you start revealing truth. Because you're going to have to name things. You can't get around it. Amen. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? If you think I'm lying, go online and ask and check for yourself. I'm not here to lie to you. Amen. And then once people at a church, they want to receive the Holy Spirit, they're going to ask all the people who believe the word of God this morning, raise your hand. Raise your hand, and then you're going to ask you to come forward, and they're going to bring you with them, and they're going to take you with them, and they're going to have you to confess Romans 10, 9 and 10. And then after that happens, am I lying? If anybody been there, I don't know what I'm talking about. Then they're going to have you to confess. See, some people think I'm being too, too bad, but you can't preach this gospel. Just let me do it, okay? Let me. Okay. Because the truth is what you got to know to set you free. There are people who are in Catholic churches who believe Jesus is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of God. Well, if nobody tells them the truth, they're going to always believe that. Amen. But see, you can't do this if you don't have the boldness to do this. If you don't have the anointing to do this, the grace to do this. What I mean by the grace to do something is my total trust is in him. I'm not afraid of who I am or what I got to go through. I know who I believe. See, I know that. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, is more real to me than you in my life. And when he says, say something, I don't care about nobody else. You can't be buddy-buddy and friends and all this stuff when you're going to preach this gospel. Amen. You can't worry about it. You cannot worry about who's offended. That's a, the Pharisee, didn't you know the Pharisee was offended? You tell that fox. <laughs> I do kill today and tomorrow. Third day I'm perfected. Jesus, see he knew who he was and he knew who was with him. He sent to declare truth. If you're going to preach truth, you're going to offend folk if they're in error. Amen. And the next thing I had to do when I did, I had to go into a room and I had to confess Romans 10, 9, and 10, and I raised my hand to receive the Holy Ghost. That's what they told me. Raise your hand, receive the Holy Ghost. And they prayed in the Spirit. He stretched their hands out to me, said, let's receive the Holy Ghost. Have you asked? You asked them, didn't you? And what happened to all those people who didn't? They didn't believe. See, all I'm saying is, 
that's not truth. And if I don't say nothing, I'm going to leave you. I want to make sure you save. I'm not trying to put nobody down. I want to make sure you save. Now, if you believe the wrong thing, if you believe the wrong thing, if you believe the wrong thing, your problem. Put up good news up there on the same verses, Romans 10, 8, 9, 10. And then I'm going to go to show you the word of life. See, there's three. Word of truth, word of life, word of faith. We are not word of faith. We are not word of life. We are word of truth. It's only one spirit in this Bible going to set you free. We'll, write, we'll go there in a moment. John 8, 30. You shall know the truth. Only thing came by Jesus Christ is John 1, 14 through 17 is grace and truth. Amen. My job is to preach the truth. Jesus was being crucified by Pilate. And the first thing Pilate said to him is, what is truth? He died because he was a witness of the truth. Once you come to know the truth, the truth will make you free. Amen. The word was made flesh, John 1, 7, 14, and the word was made flesh and dwell among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of one thing, grace. He did not say he was full of faith. He said he was full of truth because that's the Holy Spirit. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. If he had not a witness, a good witness, a good testimony, we would not know the truth. Amen. And God is not going to reveal to me the truth. He gave me the spirit of truth so I can know the truth. You cannot know the truth, the word of truth, if you don't have the spirit of truth. John 16 and 13, when he, the spirit of truth, has come. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus, those Jews, those Jews, which believed on him, if you continue in my word, you're not there yet. If you got to continue in my word, my word is spirit, my word is life. If you continue my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and then the truth shall make you free. But he can't make you free until you know it. Amen. The truth is a person. You got to come to a place where you have a relationship with God and also a fellowship. You got to come to know him. He is called the spirit of truth. Amen. What it says is this, Romans 10, 8, out of the good news, I think, or NLT. What it says is this, God's message is near you in your lips and in your heart. God's message is near, near, in your mouth, in your lips, in your heart. That is the message of faith. The word, word means message. It's the message of faith, just like the message of truth, the message of faith. The gospel of Christ is not the message of faith. Amen. You get faith when you preach truth. Amen. You can't have faith without truth. Amen. Truth gives you faith. Amen. 
You can't even get faith until you preach the truth. What it says is this, God's message is near you on our lips and in our heart. That is the message of faith we preach. The message. He preached that message to the Jewish believer. Romans 9, 10, 11. And that's what he said to them. If they are confessed with the mouth of the Lord Jesus, believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. He didn't say they were saved. You will be on the grace, there is no will be saved or shall be saved. It's you are saved. Yeah. Amen. Now, you can, you can go along with the shall be. That's up to you. But when you die, you shall be. <laughs> Romans 10 and 10, it says, by our faith. Can't you see what he's saying? You want to get right with God by your faith? You want to be saved by your confession? That's what that's saying. But Romans 3.24 told me I'm justified. Now I go put Romans 3.24 back up there again. Romans 3.24 told me I'm justified freely by his grace. Amen. I'm justified, made righteous by his grace. Stay on the NLT, you okay? Being justified freely by his grace through the redemptions in Christ. Now show that in the NLT. Yet God, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. God does it. Amen. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from our sin, from the penalty of sin. Do you understand what you're saying? Amen. They had a different salvation. They were saved by their faith. You were saved by God's grace. Amen. Thank you, Lord. It's a difference. And if you're not sure what you believe, you don't know how you're saved. You still in unbelief. Still in unbelief. You have not given God the praise and the glory for saving your soul. You still think you're doing it because you confess and you believe. Salvation don't work like that. Either it's free or you work for it. My Bible says the gift of God. Look at Ephesians 2.8. We do that. See, we're saying it's a gift, but we want to turn around and say we had to confess and, 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 and believe. You didn't do nothing to get this. But there is a doctrine that teaches that, and that's the word of, word of faith. God saved you by his grace. When you believe, only when you believed. Amen. And you can't take credit for this. Amen. Why? It is the Gift from God. Somebody throw that. Say it's a gift from God. And that's what people are doing. You're trying to take credit with your confession. Your, that's another belief. Go to go to go to First John. Let's see the word of life. First John one, one through four, the word of life. So you want to put in your notes if you keep a note. The gospel of Christ, the word of truth, is the revealed word. It's revealed to Paul by the Holy Ghost. If you study his message, he'll tell you it was revealed to me by the Holy Ghost. The word we are getting ready to show you now is the manifested word. The manifested word. When you're preaching the word of life, you're preaching a Jesus that had not died. See if you don't tell people how they're going to know. 
somebody tell me the truth. Don't let me just die and go to hell when you see me believing the wrong thing. I'm not trying to build a church. I'm trying to make sure people are saved. That's my responsibility. My ministry is to make sure people are saved and have the Holy Spirit. You can go where you want to go. We proclaim to you the word, the one who exists from the beginning, whom we heard and seen. We saw him with our eyes, a physical church see Jesus. We saw him with our eyes, we touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life before the cross. John is talking about a Jesus before the cross. He called the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us. And we have seen him. And now we testify but claim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. To them, Jesus was eternal life. That's why he had to come back for them. You receive eternal life the moment you believe. In Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, the Holy Ghost comes in immediately and seals your soul, and he is called eternal life. You don't get eternal life when you die. You get eternal life when Christ comes and seals your soul. There's only one person in this Bible who's eternal life, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's not another life. He is the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. I don't know what I have on the screen. Oh my God, my time is up. I thank you for yours. Come on, let's get the Lord a day. My time is up. Come on, look at somebody and say, it's the gift of God. You got to receive God's eternal life. It's free. Salvation is free. Thank God. Thank God he left it that way. Because if we had to confess to get it, we had to believe to get it, what happened when James said we waver? Because James said a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. What if we had to get it without wavering? Thank God on the grace. He gave it to us. It's free. It's free. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.